Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Attending Wayjax Corporation 2021 third quarter results webcast. On today's webcast will be Mark Foote, Wayjax's President and Chief Executive Officer, and Mr. Stuart Alls, Chief Financial Officer, and Mr. Iggy Domlansky, Incoming President and CEO, effective January 1st, 2022. Please be advised that this webcast is being recorded. Please note that this webcast contains forward-looking statements, actual future results may differ from expected results. I will now turn the call over to Mark Foote. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and good afternoon and thanks for participating in our third quarter call today. This afternoon we'll be following a webcast, which includes a summary presentation of our third quarter 2021 financial results. Presentation can be found on our website under Investor Relations, Events, and Presentations. I'll provide you with a general update, and then we'll turn the call over to Stu for comments on backlog inventory cash and the balance sheet. Uh, Iggy, who will be succeeding me as WageAxis President and Chief Executive Officer effective January 1st, is also with us today, and he will close our call. While Stu and I will handle the questions on the current business, uh, you're welcome to ask any uh, Iggy any general questions that you might have today. Uh, to begin, I'd like to draw your attention to our cautionary statement regarding forward-looking information on slides 2, 3, and 4. And additionally, non-GAAP and additional GAAP measures are summarized on slides 21 through 23 for your reference. If you'd turn to slide uh, 5, please. While pandemic conditions uh, continue to improve in some areas of the country, wage access continue to adhere to four uh, important objectives. First, to protect the health, safety, and well-being of our team. Second, to continue to provide strong service to our customers. Third, to protect the financial health of our company. And finally, and consistent with our strategy, grow our company as conditions continue to improve. Our decisions in the third quarter and going forward will be made according to these objectives. You can turn to slide six. Revenue of 401 million was up uh, 61 million or approximately 18% in the quarter. The increase in revenue resulted from increases in industrial parts and ERS sales in all regions, including the contribution from Tundra. Product support sales also increased and benefited from higher sales in Western Canada. Excluding Tundra, uh, total sales increased approximately 6.5%. EBIT of $24.7 million was up $10.4 million, or approximately 72% in the quarter. There is no benefit in third quarter this year from the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy, which last year had a positive effect on EBIT of $5.4 million. Excluding the effect of the wage subsidy and the pre-tax restructuring charge of $7.7 million taken in the third quarter of last year, EBIT increased $8.1 million, or approximately 49%. The improved EBIT resulted from higher sales and margins, offset by increased costs to the addition of Tundra, higher personnel costs due to volume, and the effect of the wage subsidy. The gross profit rate of 21.2% was strong in the third quarter and was driven primarily by increased margins in product support and industrial parts, 
and a shift in sales mix away from equipment. Adjusted net earnings of $0.72 cents was up $0.22 cents or approximately 44% in the quarter, noting, noting the adjustments recorded on this chart. And at the end of the third quarter, the year-to-date TRIF rate of 1.34 declined 35% as business volumes increased and we experienced an increase in injuries primarily in the second quarter of this year. We thank everyone on our team for their ongoing dedication to workplace safety and for excellent recent performance resulting in a third quarter TRIF rate of 0.64%, which has begun to improve our safety trend back to its normally strong level. If you turn to slide seven. As previously stated, the company did not recognize any reimbursement of compensation expenses from the SUS program uh, for this quarter. Uh, we've included a description of last year's wage subsidy and the application of uh, the amounts here for your convenience. On slide seven, as previously, I'm sorry, on slide, uh, slide eight, the revenue increase of 18.18% in the third quarter resulted from growth in Eastern and Western Canada. Central Canada sales of 74 million increased approximately 1% in the quarter. Sales increases in product support, industrial parts and ERS offset reductions in equipment sales. Eastern Canada sales of 150 million increased 9% in the quarter due to strength in equipment sales, product support, and industrial parts. And Western Canada sales of 177 million increased 37% in the quarter due to volume from Tundra, assisted by growth in product support and industrial parts. Excluding Tundra, growth in Western Canada was approximately 7%. We turn to slide nine. An update on equipment and product support sales and year-over-year variances is shown on this page. Equipment sales of 105 million decreased 1% compared to last year. Equipment sales in the majority of categories were comparable to the prior year. OEM supply chain challenges have primarily affected equipment supply and construction forestry, material handling, and power system systems, and those challenges are expected to continue in the fourth quarter and to negatively affect equipment and related revenue. Product support sales of 114 million increased 13 million or approximately 13% due to strength in all regions. Western Canada increased 18%, Eastern Canada increased 10%, and Central Canada increased 5%. Please turn to slide 10. An update on industrial parts and ERS sales with year-over-year variances is shown on this page. Industrial parts sales are approximately $111 million, increased $27 million or 33%. Excluding Tundra, organic growth in industrial parts was 12% in the quarter. And ERS sales of $67 million increased $23 million or 49% due primarily to the inclusion of Tundra. And excluding tonne organic sales in ERS was, four, was up 4% in the quarter. Turn to slide 11. This slide summarizes sales at a category level for the quarter and year-to-date for our company's overall group of heavy equipment and industrial parts and services. In the third quarter, total growth in heavy equipment uh, categories of 13 million or, or 6% was driven by growth in power systems, mining, and material handling that offset lower sales in construction and forestry. And total growth in industrial parts and services categories of approximately 48 million, or 38%, was driven by the inclusion of Tundra and by organic increases in both industrial parts and ERS. Excluding Tundra, 
Industrial parts and services in total organic growth was approximately 7%, up 7% in the quarter. If you turn to slide 12, we'd like to provide an update on our upcoming transition that expands our direct distribution relationship with Hitachi. Change was announced in a news release dated August 19, 2021, which is available on our website, and we encourage you to review that release for more information. After two months of transition planning with our partners at Hitachi, we continue to be very confident that this change will provide WageX with significant long-term benefits from enhanced access to product development, increased market responsiveness, and improved reliability of equipment supply. It is, also to expect, it is also expected to increase WageX and Tatashi market share providing, by providing our customers with better access to products which lead the market in terms of value, performance, and reliability. WageX and Hitachi will continue to work closely on transition planning leading up to our transition date of March 1st, 2022. I'll now turn the call over to Steve. Thanks, Mark. Uh, please turn, turn to slide 13 for my comments on backlog. Our Q3 backlog increased 54.7 million or 17% sequentially from the previous quarter and increased 166.4 million or 81% on a year-over-year -year basis. The sequential increase was driven primarily by higher orders in most categories, offset partially by lower ERS orders. The year-over-year -year increase relates to higher orders in the construction and forestry, material handling and power systems categories, and higher orders in the industrial parts and ERS categories with the addition of Tundra's backlog. These increases were offset partially by lower mining orders. Overall backlog reflects continued momentum in heavy equipment and industrial parts and services backlog, including Tundra. Please turn to slide 14 for an update on our current inventory levels. <clears throat> inventory, including net consignment, increased 2.4 million compared to Q2 2021. Net of consignment balance sheet inventory decreased by 5.1 million, while net consignment in inventory increased by 7.5 million. Inventory, including net consignment, decreased 65 million compared to Q3 2020, due primarily to lower equipment inventory in most categories, partially offset by higher mining equipment inventory in higher parts and work in process inventory. Net consignment inventory decreased 46.3 million compared to Q3 2020. We continue to work with major suppliers with a focus on construction, forestry, material handling, and power systems equipment to attempt to secure additional inventory to meet our customer demand in the fourth quarter of 2021. Please turn to slide 15, where I will provide an update on cash flow and leverage. Cash flow from operating activities in the quarter of $40.2 million increased $3.6 million from Q2 2021, due primarily to an increase in cash generated from changes in non-cash operating working capital. Our leverage ratio decreased compared to Q2 from 1.73 times uh, to 1.39 times, due primarily to lower debt level in the current period. Cash re results in the current quarter were positive, which contributed to a material reduction in debt and resulted in total leverage below the target range of 1.5 to 2 times at the end of Q3. Our available credit capacity at the end of Q3 was $322.6 million, which is sufficient to meet short-term normal course working capital and maintenance capital requirements and certain strategic investments. Please turn to slide 16 where I'll provide an update 
on financial position. We continue to focus on working capital efficiency, which is a key component in managing our overall leverage targets. The improvement in inventory returns from Q2 2021 is due to higher trailing 12-month average sales and lower average inventory levels. As previously disclosed, we continue to evaluate ways to unlock cash from the business and as such have completed a market value assessment of our own real estate holdings. In the third quarter, we entered into sale and leaseback transactions for two of our own properties in Dartmouth and Fort St. John for proceeds net of transaction costs of $2.1 million and $3.2 million respectively. Further opportunities to sell redundant real estate as well as Sale and leaseback opportunities have been identified and being, are being pursued in 2021 and 2022. Proceeds from any real estate sales will be used primarily for debt repayment. The earnings impact from any sale and leaseback transaction is not expected to be material as any gains are expected to be approximately offset by the incremental lease costs over the term of the lease. Finally, the board has approved our fourth quarter dividend of $0.25 cents per share, payable on January 5, 2022, to shareholders' record on December 15, 2021. Please turn to slide 17, and at this point, I'll turn it back to Mark. Thanks, Stu. Uh, we'd encourage you to read the outlook uh, uh, completely, uh, I think, for today's call, rather than reading the outlook verbatim. I'm going to point out three changes from, uh, from our report at the, uh, at the end of the second quarter. First, I'm going to start with the market conditions have continued to be more positive than we originally expected, and those conditions generally continued into the third quarter. Uh, the second important point is OEM supply chain issues have been a factor throughout 2021, but became more pronounced in the third quarter, and those issues are expected to continue in the fourth quarter, which may negatively affect revenue and customer service levels. We are working very closely with each of our major suppliers to minimize to the extent possible the effect of these issues. As stated, supply chain issues are most pronounced in equipment and related sales, in construction, forestry, material handling, and power systems, specifically large engine systems. Third, we're pleased to report that we continued to expand the implementation of our new ERP system in the third quarter and have now successfully converted the majority of heavy equipment branches in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, uh, now totaling 13 locations, including a number of high-volume sites. While we will continue to take a cautious approach to the implementation over the next 18 months, we are very encouraged by the progress made to date. Finally, uh, this is my last quarterly call as Wajax's CEO, leading to my retirement on December 31st. And I wanted to express my sincere thanks to those listening, greatly enjoyed my 10 years as a member of the team, and to reporting the progress of our business to our investors. And as many, if not all of you would be aware, Iggy Domagowski will replace me effective January 1st. And we've asked Iggy to uh, close our formal remarks today. Iggy? Thank you very much, Mark. You are certainly leaving some very big shoes to fill. It is an honor to be chosen to lead this proud Canadian company. I am excited to continue the great work that Mark, Stewart, and the Wajax leadership team have executed over the past decade, and I'm a firm believer in the current strategy for growing the business. Between now and the end of the year, I will continue to learn about this great company by visiting as many of our 114 branches across the country as I can. 
And as of January 1st, it will be my turn to be a member of this team, and I look forward to reporting the progress of our growing business to our investors and to everyone on this call. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to working with you. And with that, I will ask the operator to open the line for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Did you have a question? Please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear then your three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order that they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by the two. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment, please, for your first question. Your first question comes from Michael Dume from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Um, <clears throat> nice to see the strong performance and gross margins. Um, I presume you know, there are several subscribers, um, you know, including the relationship between higher growth profit margins and lower inventories. Um, how do you how do you guys see that relationship evolve for the company um, and I guess the industry over the next couple quarters? Michael, it's Mark. Our general premise is that uh, the margins at a category level are, are generally sustainable. Um, a couple of things to think about. The, the particularly in the third quarter, the mix away from equipment was a bit more dramatic than it was in the first half of the year. So that was accretive to margin, but the extent to which equipment sales improve in 2022 uh, beyond some of the supply chain issues that we face, you know, that would obviously affect the margin negatively. But I think at the, at the category level, our margins in industrial parts are quite strong. Uh, our margins in product support, both labor and parts, are, are pretty strong. And just given certain supply issues, our, our margins and equipment are are stronger than they typically would be. I think that's an area where we would probably give a little bit back, but in total gross margin, that wouldn't be that wouldn't have too much of an effect. So, I think the only thing that is not necessarily sustainable from what we see in the third quarter is likely to be a mix, and because the inventories are running very tight, um, you know, margins are obviously quite quite healthy. Um, but that's also a function of the fact that um, the extent to which we take hits on disposing of excess inventories, obviously that has really um, gone down over the course of the last uh, 12 months or so. Got it. Thanks, Mark. And you commented on the sourcing of equipment, that being a little bit more challenging in Q4. Do you have any visibility on, you know, when that improves and you have a kind of better, better capability of, of meeting demand? We are not expecting it to improve in the fourth quarter, Michael, to be perfectly honest with you. It's a vendor-by-vendor, category-by-category discussion. I think we're expecting construction and forestry to continue to be an issue for us for, uh, for a while. Um, that's a function of tight supply. That's a function of transition to Hitachi. Um, it's a function of labor disruption in one of our primary manufacturers over the last month or so. So those are all negative issues, and we're expecting those issues to take a while to work their way through the system. Um, we've got some real tight supply on the forestry equipment side, which we're, which we're managing, so we think that'll be with us for a little while. Um, and uh, our partners at, uh, in material handling supply and large engine systems, I think they've, they've got some challenges ahead of them, too. I think where we feel you know, quite a bit better is uh, post 
the transition to Hitachi, we think the access to equipment supply will be uh, considerably more dependable. And uh, our partners there have uh, have worked very closely with us in planning for our 2022 uh, our 2022 budget. So, I think uh, some of the issues we we face towards the end of the third quarter will persist through the fourth and uh, likely into the first half of next year. Got it. And then turning to mining, um, you talked about a strong quoting activity. Uh, could you disclose maybe you know what? could come into the backlog in the next several quarters, maybe longer term, what the largest opportunities are for the company, particularly as we think about the end of the HCM JV. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, the mining quote, it'd be, it'd be great to be able to tell you how the quotes are going to turn into backlog. I don't know if we really know how to do that right now. Quoting activity is pretty strong. I can tell you that um, as you get into next year, we've, we've already gotten backlog one large shovel incremental to where we were this year, so that's worth about, call it 20 million. Um, so we're expecting the mining equipment business to be um, better next year than it was this year, and that's, that's with booked orders. The extent to which some quoting activity turns into booked orders, that'll obviously get a little bit better than that. Got it. Okay, I'll leave it there, but I guess before I pass the line, Mark, I just want to say I've uh, appreciated and enjoyed these calls and our conversations over the years, so uh, you'll be missed. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Your next question comes from Devin Dodds from BMO. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks. Um, I just wanted to come back to, to gross margins. Um, just as you transition away from consignment with Hitachi, should we be expecting there to be, you know, a bit of an expansion to your gross margins? Uh, and if so, can you speak to how meaningful that could be? You know what, it is, uh, it's expected to be a bit more positive in the normal course. Uh, and I suspect that you probably won't see the benefit of that in 2022 for a couple reasons. Um, we ourselves and our partners at Hitachi really do want to do a proper job of the implementation of that line and, and managing that change. So we may, uh, we may trade some of that margin for increased aggressiveness from a retail pricing standpoint. I think in the normal course, that'll reset itself a little bit, but uh, we'll really want to get off the ground pretty aggressively. So uh, we wouldn't necessarily expect any material increase in margin, at least in 2022. Okay, that's a good color. Thanks for that. Um, the the balance sheet, uh, look, it appears to be in, in pretty good shape here. Um, but I'm wondering if the, if the need to rebuild your inventory position and the transition away from that consignment we just talked about, uh, does that impact the timing for when you'd consider moving forward on some M&A opportunities? Uh, the short answer to that one's definitely not. Um, I think, you know, rebuilding inventory, uh, they're, you know, I think that the, the team's done a superb job of spinning parts pretty quickly. Um, we probably need more parts inventory, but I suspect that'll catch up from a sales standpoint. So I think the turns in parts are are pretty strong, and I think they would stay that way. Um, I think on the equipment side of things, the extent to which uh, those inventories come up, um, there'd be zero effect on the ability of the company to finance the acquisition program. So I, I, I wouldn't worry about that one at all. Okay. And then how does that M&A pipeline look now? It's uh, I, I would say it's, uh, it's, it's a rich pipeline. Uh, it, we don't have anything of scale to report to you at this point in time. 
There are a couple of uh, small deals in the Ontario market that the team's working on. Uh, they would not be you know, consistent with an order of magnitude like a DeLome or a Tundra. So they're, they're smaller deals that we continue to work on. But I think it's, a, it's obviously a pretty big focus for the management team is to, uh, is to get some of those deals to the front of the queue and uh, use some of that liquidity to, uh, to invest in that growth strategy. It's, it's just real important to the future of the company. Okay. Um, look, before I turn it over, I just want to say congrats, Mark, on uh, the upcoming retirement and uh, best wishes for the next steps. Appreciate that. Thank you. Your next question comes from Michael Tapone from TD. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Um, you've already talked a little bit about the supply chain issues. Um, I'm wondering if you can also, though, touch on how those issues may be impacting your industrial parts and, uh, and business and, and any parts procured for your products or products. It, it is, uh, there, there are some emerging issues in industrial parts, Michael. I think the, the fundamental difference between IP and a lot of the heavy equipment categories, if not all of the heavy equipment categories, is there's um, you know, this trend, there's uh, switching opportunities, excuse me, <coughs> in industrial parts where one, if one brand's not available, we can usually successfully convert the customer to another. So the extent to which the substitu substitutability in the product line, that, that works to our advantage, even though there are supply chain issues. So there's some issues there. I don't think we, we, we it's not that I don't think, we don't see those as uh, chronic as some of the heavy equipment supply. And uh, we're reasonably confident that while they will continue through the fourth quarter and into the first half of next year, they're not expected to have as significant an impact on the revenue line as the equipment side of things. Okay, that's helpful. Um, the comment that you plan to purchase all consignment inventory on hand uh, at October 31st uh, related to the Deer Hitachi JV. Approximately how much of Apple investment will that represent? Um, I'm looking at Stu to nod his head, but I believe that in October, roughly about $10 bucks came onto the balance sheet. Yep. Um, and whatever is received from the current supplier between now and the end of February of next year, we would, we would bring that onto the balance sheet also. I think what you want to watch, Michael, is that coming onto the balance sheet isn't necessarily negative from a cash flow standpoint because we're obviously trying to sell that stuff as soon as it's, it arrives because we're short. So there is some inventory coming onto the balance sheet, but the likelihood it's, it's going to stay there um, isn't very high, just given the demand and, and us being as short as we are. And backlog. And backlog, yeah, apologize. Backlog and construction is up, obviously. Okay. Uh, that, that sort of leads into my next question, actually, which is about the backlog and strong increase seen in the quarter. Sounds like you saw gains in most uh, product categories. I guess sort of a two-part question. Um, number one, the, the gains that you did see, were those driven uh, primarily by strong demand, or is there any impact here just from uh, tightness in availability and supply issues? Um, and then secondly, I'm wondering if, if you can kind of run through the, the gains that you saw across categories. Was it concentrated in certain areas or was it really broad-based? Yeah, it, uh, I think the, I guess to answer the, the first part of the question, Michael, the, um, 
So I'm going to talk sequentially, okay, as opposed to year over year, because there's obviously a pretty big difference year over year. So sequentially is probably the more relevant piece. So sequentially, there's about a $55 million increase in backlog, and you know, trying to guide you as as, as much as we can. The the vast majority of that, say something between 40 and 45 million, really has nothing to do with supply chain issues. It is uh, it is simply orders that were booked with with original delivery dates that were well into next year. So that's either mining or major power gen projects, or aspects of material handling that ha that are you know kind of larger units and later orders. So the majority of the sequential increase in backlog has nothing to do with supply chain. There's there's undoubtedly a wee bit of supply chain act, uh, effect in there, uh, but at the end of the third quarter, I would say that it was it certainly wasn't the biggest piece of that uh, sequential increase. Um, and I'm sorry, your second part was what, what are the, some of the categories? Uh, it sounds like you saw gains, I think you said in most categories, but I'm just wondering if, um, if there's any more detail there, if there were any particular areas that were, were uh, major contributors to the, the quarter-over-quarter change. Yeah, so quarter-to-quarter, uh, -quarter, uh, pretty solid increase in mining, pretty, pretty solid increase in power generation, and pretty solid increase in material handling, and uh, obviously a, a nice amount of momentum in industrial parts. Okay, perfect. And then I guess just one last one related to that. It, it sounded like uh, in the quarter ERS orders were a little bit lower. Yeah. Just wondering if you can comment on that. Um, was there a particular driver? Is that is that indicative of sort of what you're seeing in the market more generally, or is it is it specific to some situation? And how do we think about that going forward? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't read too too much into that. In ERS, particularly as it relates to some of the bigger orders that affect loam, uh, can be a bit of a lumpy business on a year-over-year -year basis. So, I think momentum in ERS is actually quite good. And um, you know, I, I think, as I said, I think the momentum is actually quite good. So, I wouldn't read too too much into a a quarter-to-quarter -quarter reduction in orders. I think uh, our biggest issue in, in engineered repair services is really labor. It's just finding enough people. And enough technicians to fulfill um, just kind of the day-to-day -day demand and uh, some of the larger orders the company's got access to if it can staff them. Okay, that's helpful. I will. Uh, I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one. Your last question comes from Brian Fast from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good afternoon, you guys. Um, just on the rental fee fleet, um, looks like rental equipment on the balance sheet is at multi-year lows. Uh, what should we expect, I guess, for rental capex uh, next year? Uh, Brian, it'll it'll be uh, somewhat uh, consistent with each of the past uh, two years. So we continue to to look at the rental fleet, and our our biggest objective is to maintain the currency and get it to. Uh, anything um, above five years we don't really want to have on our, our books, so we look to sell that and try to keep it current. So expect it to be about the same again in, in uh, 2022. Okay, thanks. And then just understanding that it is competitive out there, uh, can you just comment on what you're seeing on the labor side of things? Uh, just some comments on, I guess, technician availability and the competitive environment. Well, two things, I guess. First of all, it is very competitive. I think our most pronounced 
market for uh, labor shortage is Quebec. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, Alberta, BC, and Ontario would be not too, too far behind, but uh, Quebec would definitely be our most competitive labor market. We've, uh, you know, as with respect to wage inflation, I think we've, we've like others, have adjusted some wages in regions and localities where where we needed to in order to either hold on to the staff that we have or attract some additional folks. Uh, but we've typically recovered that through uh, the labor margins through to the customer. So at this point in time, it's it's really an attempt to make sure we hold on to the really good folks that work for the company, fill out the vacancies that we have. The issues are certainly most pronounced with technicians, and that's on the heavy equipment and ERS side. Uh, the extent to which there's wage inflation so far, that's been recovered through labor margins. Okay, great. Thanks, Mark. And before I sign off here, just uh, congratulations, Mark, Mark, on the retirement, and uh, best of luck. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. And there are no further questions at this time. You may please proceed. I was looking at Iggy because I thought he might close, but uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> I probably didn't choreograph that very well in advance. So I just want to say thank you very much for listening to us today. Um, and uh, I'm sure my colleagues look very much forward to talking to you again in March. And uh, I'll be here to support them for the first few months of next year. Uh, but uh, I certainly have appreciated your time and attention today and for all the other conference calls we've done together. Okay, so thanks very much. Talk to you again in March. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.